Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. The more I crave and satiate that craving for God's Word, the more of an appetite I'm going to have for God's Word. The more I read God's Word, the more I read God's Word. That's not a play on words. That's the truth. Isn't it true that when you feed an appetite, it just creates more of an appetite for that which you are feeding? You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Proverbs. Do you ever relate to Winnie the Pooh looking for more honey and you can't find enough? <laughs> Whatever your craving might be, Pastor J.D. encourages you today to have a hunger for the Word of God so strong that you never give up looking for more. When you keep doing this, you never lose your appetite for it. Now be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor JD in the book of Proverbs chapter 24 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. To me, these two verses are summed up ever so perfectly in a writing by a German pastor who was actually imprisoned. His name was Martin Niemöller, if I'm pronouncing it correctly. And he penned this about the unwillingness of anyone to stand up for the Jews during the Holocaust. Listen to this. First, they came for the communists, and I did not speak out because I was not a communist. Then, they came for the socialists, and I did not speak out because I was not a socialist. Then, they came for the trade unionists, and I did not speak out because I was not a trade unionist. Then they came for the Jews, and I did not speak out because I was not a Jew. Then they came for me, and there was no one left to speak out for me. Who's going to stand up for me? Who's going to speak out for me? This is what the proverb is saying, is that we need to say something. We need to do something. And one need look no further to the horrific numbers of abortions. Who's going to speak up for these babies? Who's going to say something? Who's going to speak out for them? They can't. Are we? Can I just go back to this, just real quick, indulge me. God takes this very seriously. He says, deliver those who are drawn toward death. And hold back those stumbling to the slaughter. Help the helpless. Now, you cannot say, I mean, you can try, 
Surely I did not know this. You can say that, but here's the problem with that. He who weighs the hearts considers it. He who keeps your soul, he knows it. And he knows that you know it. And as such, he will recompense, render, meet out justice according to each man's deeds. We're going to give an account one day. Every one of us will give an account one day. Verse 13, my son, eat honey because it is good. I'm going to say amen to that. I love honey. And the honeycomb, which is sweet to your taste, so shall, and this is key verse 14, and this is why actually verse 14, so shall the knowledge of wisdom be to your soul. If you have found it, there is a prospect, and your hope will not be cut off. In other words, you will not be let down. You will not be disappointed. Okay, what's this saying? Here's a thought, a couple thoughts actually. You know how sweet honey is? You know how it is sometimes when, this happens to me, uh, sometimes at the worst times, like at night, you're laying there, you're, you're trying to fall asleep, and all of a sudden, just out of nowhere, you're hit with a sweet tooth. You know what I'm talking about? And I mean, I purposely make sure that I do not have unfettered access to ice cream and <laughs> butterfingers and sweet things so that, you know, I make no provision for the flesh, you know, as the Apostle Paul says, make no provision for the flesh. In other words, don't create an environment in your life that is conducive, that makes it easy for you to give into the lusts of the flesh, the cravings of the flesh. And oh my goodness, sometimes I just get this craving. Many years ago when my wife and I were young, this is BC, not before Christ, before children. We would have cereal parties. Oh, they were so fun. We, I mean, we would just take this, you know how it is when you take the cereal and then you, you pour the milk in and you put the honey on top and then you just got to get the right mixture of cereal and milk. And then sometimes you got to add more cereal and then, oh, I guess I got to add more milk. And then you just keep going and going and going. And I'll tell you, I, I think there's going to be cereal in heaven. I'm just thinking uh, that there might be. And I mean, it is just, it's so sweet and so delicious. And here's what I found. The more you crave, the more you crave. And the more you give into those cravings, the more you're going to give into those cravings. The more sweet cravings you have, the more sweet cravings you're going to have. You've developed almost this appetite, this taste for that. And that is exactly what the proverb is saying. The Word of God, the wisdom of the Lord, it should be like the sweet craving that we have for honey. And how sweet that honey is 
to our taste. You know, on our tongue we have, you know, different taste buds that really taste the sweet, and you've got the other taste buds on the tongue that, you know, taste the sour, and just different taste buds. Are you salivating yet? (laughs) Because I am. After the Bible study you can satiate this uh, sweet craving you might have, but um, it's like the sweet craving for something sweet creates the craving for something sweet. And how sweet. Taste of the Lord and see that He is good. A man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Let me say it this way. The more I crave and satiate that craving for God's Word, the more of an appetite I'm going to have for God's Word. The more I read God's Word, the more I read God's Word. That's not a play on words. That's the truth. Isn't it true that when you feed an appetite, it just creates more of an appetite for that which you are feeding? It's in the physical sense, and so too, in fact, even more so is this true in the spiritual sense. The more you feed that appetite, the more appetite you have to be fed in that appetite. And it works both ways. It works in the carnal side as well as the spiritual side. You know, uh, when Paul talks about walking in the Spirit so that you won't fulfill the lusts of the flesh. When I was a young believer, I just never could quite get my mind around what that meant. Walk in the Spirit and I won't fulfill the lusts of the flesh. And I'm thinking, well, I don't want to fulfill the lusts of the flesh. I mean, here's the flesh, the cravings of the flesh, the lusts of the flesh, and they're vying for my attention, and they're clamoring for my, you know, uh, attention to feed that appetite. And, and then here's the Spirit. You know, the Spirit's willing, but the flesh is weak, and I'm, I'm so weak. Especially French vanilla ice cream, but anyway, I'm so weak, and I mean, here's this, this craving. The Spirit's willing, but the flesh is weak. So here I'm told that if I walk in the Spirit, I won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. What does that look like? How does that work? You know how it is when the Lord just shows you something and unveils something, and it's just like, aha. I mean, the light bulb goes off. You're like, oh, now I get it. Thank you, Lord. Well, this is one of those times. And here's what the Lord ministered to me. If you're so busy in the Spirit, so full in the Spirit and of the Spirit, you won't have any desire for the things of the flesh. So let's just say that you invite me over to dinner. And I mean, you've just prepared this gourmet meal. I mean, it's just going to be magnificent. So here I am, I'm in the car, I'm on my way over to your place for this wonderful, delicious dinner that you worked hard on all day to prepare. And on the way there, I drive by Taco Bell, and all of a sudden I hear this voice, and it's speaking to me, and it says, JD, hey, why don't you pull in and get one of those You know those cartons, 12 tacos, you can get 12 tacos in that box. 
hard shell tacos, and then the sauce, that Taco Bell sauce. You know, you could buy that in the store, by the way. Just uh, thought I'd throw that in, no extra charge. But I mean, so it's not too hot. It's not too mild. It's just got just enough of a little bit of a kick to it. And oh man, it's just, I mean, your mouth is watering. And next thing you know, it's like something took over the steering wheel. You're pulling through the drive-thru. And the next thing you know, you're handing them your credit card and they're handing you this carton of tacos. And you know I mean? You just dig in and... And then it hits you. I still have to go to dinner. And you get there. And I get there. I, this is me. I put this on me, not on you. So I get there. And how hungry am I? What kind of an appetite do I have? I mean, you could put out this 42 ounce prime rib, cooked to perfection. But the problem is, I'm full. And I don't, I don't have any desire for it. I'm not hungry, because I filled myself up with tacos before coming. Now let's flip that around. I'm driving to your place, and I drive by Taco Bell, and you know, there's that voice, and I don't do it because I'm staying (laughs) in the way that I should go. And I show up at your place and I eat this magnificent meal and that prime rib was, I mean, perfect. And I mean, I am so satisfied and that was so delicious. And now I'm driving back home and I drive by that same Taco Bell and there's that same voice. And it says, hey, JD, why don't you swing through the drive-thru and get one of those boxes of tacos? Are you kidding me? I have absolutely no craving, no desire, no interest. You couldn't, for all the money in the world, get me to go through that drive-thru because I'm full, man. I'm satisfied, man. I just got filled with the Holy Spirit, so the flesh, try as it may, it cannot get me to satisfy that craving. That's what this proverb is saying, that the sweet, delicious taste of the Word of God should so satiate us that we have no desire, no craving for anything else. And interesting, your hope will not be cut off. You will never regret it. (laughs) How many times have I regretted? I'm just going to stick with my food analogy, if you don't mind. How many times have I regretted after I've eaten? It's kind of like, and of course I'm not going to sleep well after I just binged on, you know, 532 cookies or six gallons of ice cream or three boxes of Butterfingers or whatever, you know, 1,800 bowls of cereal. There's always that regret afterwards, you know. But when I'm filled with the Word of God, I will never be let down. I will never have any regret. My hope will never be cut off. I will never be disappointed. Verse 15, Do not lie in wait, O wicked man, against the dwelling of the righteous. 
Do not plunder his resting place, for a righteous man may fall seven times and rise again, but the wicked shall fall by calamity. In other words, there are those, and we're going to see this next in verse 17 and 18, but there are those who pile on on one who's down. We have that saying, boy, you sure know how to kick a man when he's down. A righteous man may fall, and we do. I think of Peter. He failed the Lord, denied the Lord three times and fell, but he got back up. The Lord got him back up and restored him. But not so with the wicked. When the wicked fall, that's it. It's catastrophic. They fall by calamity. Verse 17 along those lines says, Do not rejoice when your enemy falls, and do not let your heart be glad when he stumbles. And here's why, and this is interesting, lest the Lord see it, and it displease him, and he turn away his wrath from him. This is um, one of those places in God's Word where we get a glimpse into the heart of a loving God. This loving God who, through the prophet Ezekiel, says, I take no delight in punishing the wicked. I take no delight when the unrighteous and the wicked fall. I take no delight in that. It goes against who I am and how I am, and how good I am. It's my will that they would turn from their sin. It's God's will that all should come to repentance, and turn from their sin, and turn to the Lord. So we have a problem here, because innate within our sin nature is this proclivity to kind of gloat, I mean, this is your enemy after all, and something happens, something bad happens, and you're like, yeah, they deserve it. And we rejoice, and God takes notice. He says, be very careful. First of all, it's displeasing to me. And if I see you rejoicing <laughs> over your enemy falling, uh, I might just turn my wrath away from him. That's how displeasing it is to me. You know, we're told to weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. Sometimes I think, and I think if we're honest with ourselves, we'd have to admit this, we rejoice when others weep, and we weep when others rejoice. It's called envy. It's called jealousy. It's called sibling rivalry as brothers and sisters in Christ. Verse 19, here it is again. We saw this at the beginning of the chapter. Do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the wicked, for there will be no prospect for the evil man. The lamp of the wicked will be put out. I think about I think it's Psalm 37, do not fret when evildoers prosper in their way. The justice of your cause will shine like the noonday. In other words, you watch the evildoers and it seems like, you know, their life goes unchecked and everything's going fine for them. 
I mean, here they're wicked and you're righteous. And I think of Psalm 73 where the psalmist stumbled. He was having a full-on crisis of faith. I've cleansed my hands in vain. Here I am walking uprightly and righteously, and I'm watching my neighbor who's wicked as wicked can be, and he's prospering. And you look at that and you start envying it and thinking and wishing, man, I wish that my life was like that. And here the proverb is saying, no you don't, for there is no prospect for the evil man. They might shine brightly now, and it looks like everything's going great for them now, but the time is coming when the lamp of the wicked will be put out. And that's what the psalmist in Psalm 73 concluded when he went into the sanctuary of the Lord. And the Lord showed them their end when the lamp would be put out. And he just came to his senses. I'm sorry, Lord, what was I thinking? Yeah, I, I, I'm walking uprightly and my life is so difficult and so hard and theirs is not. <laughs> Their life seems so good on the outside. But in the end, when it's all said and done, phew, I don't want to be them. I want to be them now, but I want to be them in the end. Verse 21, my son, fear the Lord and the King. Do not associate with those given to change, for their calamity, verse 22, will rise suddenly, and who knows the ruin these two can bring. Well, that's an interesting proverb. What is it saying? Here's what I think it's warning us against. Uprisings. Uh, anarchy. Don't join in with those or associate with those that would uprise and are given to change because their calamity will rise suddenly. Don't go against the authorities. These are God-given authorities, the Lord and the King. Uh, Romans 13 is a a good uh, chapter to read for those who struggle with the obeying of the laws of the land. Verse 23, these things also belong to the wise. It is not good to show partiality in judgment. He who says to the wicked, verse 24, you are righteous, him the people will curse. Nations will abhor him, but, verse 25, those who rebuke the wicked will have delight, and a good blessing will come upon them. And then verse 26 is interesting. <laughs> he who gives a right answer kisses the lips. It's easy to dismiss Old Testament books as ancient texts that hold little meaning for you today. However, there's plenty of application for your life right now in this modern world. The book of Proverbs is one that specifically provides advice, admonishment, and encouragement for your life as a follower of Christ. As you listen to Pastor J.D.'s message today, though, you may have realized that you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus. If that's the case, we'd like to encourage you to change that right now. We have a simple guide that will tell you more 
Just visit InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com and click on the ABCs of Salvation under the Resources tab. This will tell you why it's so important to put your faith in Jesus and how easy it is to start a relationship with Him. We'd love to hear from you too and we're available to answer any questions you may still have. Please get in touch with us through our contact form on our website. Again, that's InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. If you're in the Kaneohe area, we'd love to have you join us for our worship services. Bring your friends and family along too. It's a great time of fellowship and learning about God with Pastor J.D. Be sure to let us know that you're a listener of In Spirit and Truth when you visit. Find out more about Calvary Chapel Kaneohe at our website, InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. With that, our time with you has come to an end. Thanks for being part of our study here today. We hope you'll tune in again to continue studying the truths found in the book of Proverbs right here on In Spirit and Truth. Truth, truth.